Well, this morning we are continuing in our series on how to bless our neighbors. And we are on a happy letter today. The letter is E for eating. Um, and so I'm going to have everybody have a seat. <laughs> I know, right? I thought if I started talking, people would listen, but they're not. It's okay. It's okay. I love it. Um, we are talking about eating today, and so I thought before I would get into the message t today, I wanted to uh, give, help you to see an example of someone who knows very well how to love people through food. And so I just want to invite Lisa Burbach if she'd come up and share with us. Woo, yeah, let's give her a hand. share about hospitality around food with eating, I was really excited because this is something that just is so dear to my heart. Um, about eight years ago, I started a, a blog called Bringing Back Dinner, and it's around the idea of the deep, intimate fellowship that happens around a meal. And what happens is that the world washes away, and suddenly you're in this whole other world of getting to know each other and spend time with one another and grow in intimacy and relationship. And there, the rule is it's like Vegas. What happens at the table stays at the table. <laughs> you know? So you make a free space in that time uh, around a meal so that you can laugh together, you can cry together, you can share your deep heart, your life and your memories and around that food. And if it takes all night long, I mean, that's even better because it means that you forgot about the clock, you forgot about your phone, you just spend that time face-to-face -face in relationship, you know, and, and I love it. Like, I, you can probably tell, like, I love it, <laughs> you know, and, and it doesn't matter what that looks like. Like, I grew up in an environment where um, my grandmother in this little town in Pamplin, Virginia, seemed to think the queen was going to come visit Pamplin, Virginia. So <laughs> I can set a full table complete with butter pat dishes and bone dishes. All right, but I can be really happy going to the weenie stand, number two to be specific. And so I'd, it might mean that I might go out to a meal at the weenie stand with a friend, or I might go out to a meal with a really nice restaurant to a friend, but I ha still have that environment. Like it's up to me and my heart of hospitality to invite you in, no matter where we are. So in my blog, I talk about things like a picnic, a bench, um, sitting around in a park, a full t meal at your table, sitting on the floor in your living room around a table, you know, order out and do that, that it can look so many different ways, but it's a heart of hospitality. And, and I believe some of us are more gifted, that's like a definitely a gift for us, but that we can all walk in it. I also love that it touches all of the love languages. So if I invite you to a meal and your love language is acts of service, then look, I made you a meal and you don't have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> and if it's gifts, I gave you a meal. If it's words of affirmation, what happens in an intimate setting is that you affirm one another in your conversation. And touch, 
How many times do you go to a situation where you're going to have that kind of environment and you don't hug, right? So we do. We hug each other. We pat each other. Tell, you know, so your touch is there. So let's see. Um, quality time. And that's really for quality time. People, that is like soak it up, man, because it's all that quality time. And so it means that there isn't someone no one is going to walk away without a little bit of their love tank being filled up during a time around a meal. And I, I think that it is one of the lost arts. It's one of the forgotten things. It's why I sometimes write about it. Other countries really embrace this idea of hour-long meals. And even other cultures, like Beth's talked about some of the big Italian family things where you're there all day long or you know, some of the Hispanic cultures. And, um, and I would just really love to see that. Like, that's a passion of mine is to help people grow their hearts in a way of experiencing life around that meal and that free zone, free space, you know. And I think the thing that sums it up for me is um, one of our kids, Brian, when he leaves our house sometimes, he goes, when I leave here, my belly is full and my heart is full. <laughs> that is the heart of hospitality around a meal, and that is our goal, is can we fill up our love tanks, our hearts be full, it's good to have a good full belly too. Why? There we go. There we go. Okay. So um, thank you so much, Lisa. And uh, we are on to our next topic. Let's remember what we're doing here in this series. We are talking about how to bless our neighbor, how to love our neighbor. And every one of us has a neighbor. I don't care if you live in an apartment building, if you live in, in a urban setting, if you live uh, in a suburb, in a, on a busy street, or in a little neighborhood, if you live even out in the country, you have people you pass every day that are either out in their yards, or they're maybe in the hallway, or in the elevator, or in the lobby. They're people that you pass at the grocery store, people that you bump into all the time. Those are your neighbors, and we all have them. And how easy is it, church, to just be like, hi and then you know, get in our car and off we go, right? Say a quick hello um, and then go on our way. It's amazing how easy it is not even to know the names of our neighbors, even if we've been there a long time, right? Isn't that scary <laughs> the way that is? And so that's kind of what we're talking about here. This series in many ways is simply about stopping and noticing who's around you. Stopping and noticing the person that's in their, in their driveway, the person that you see at the store. It's stopping and saying hello. It's learning their name and maybe writing it down so you don't forget it. That's something that we try to do because it's easy to forget. It's, it's about stopping and going out of your way. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. That's really what the series has been all about. And we're, we're using this cute little acronym, acronym BLESS, B. And the first one of the B was B in prayer. So I want to encourage you to keep being in prayer for your neighbors and praying for opportunities to reach out into your neighborhood and to people that maybe you don't know so well, but to begin praying for them, praying for opportunities to say hello, praying for opportunities to, you know, learn their names, 
praying for their homes. If you take a walk down your street, and maybe you're walking your dog, or maybe you just like to take a walk, when you walk, start praying for the houses that you're passing. Pray for the families in there, for their marriages, for the kids. We've got to be in prayer because God will use those prayers to then open up opportunities for us to get to know our neighbors and to bless them. So that's the first thing. We want to be in prayer. But then the second one, of course, is L for listen, right? We talked about that last week. Listening to people, listening to, you know, people whose, whose lives may be very different than ours, whose experiences may be very different. But we get this opportunity to hear their story and listen, ask some good questions and hear their answers. It's so wonderful. And so now some of you might be saying, well, how are we going to do all this listening? Happy answer today, which Lisa talked about, which is eating. <laughs> and so this is, this is like, you know, one of my favorite sermons. This sermon like wrote itself because you want to talk about eating. That's easy. I could talk about eating all day long. It's one of my favorite things. So that's what, yeah, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. So um, there might be a few of you who are saying, maybe you're, you're kind of an evangelistic type, okay? And maybe some of you are saying, this is all kind of slow. This listening and eating and all this business. Aren't I supposed to be preaching the gospel? Aren't I supposed to give them a tract? Aren't I supposed to be leading somebody to, to know Christ? Like, what, what's with all this, like, taking our time, having dinners and all this kind of stuff? Shouldn't I be getting to the gospel? And I want to say something about that because I do think we as Christians sometimes get this confused. I want to remind us of two things. And we talked about this at the beginning of the whole series. That we're not getting to know people just to get them converted. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's not a person in this world I don't want to see come to know Jesus Christ. I mean, I know it's the way, the truth, and the life. I know it's where joy comes. I know it's where their eternal life comes from. I want that for every person I know or don't know. Like, of course, that's, we hope that that comes of anything that we do, that, that God would do that for a person. But that's not why we get to know people and have dinner. and, and It's because God tells us to love we're meant to love. We're meant to be like Jesus. And Jesus loved people. He loved people because they're made in the image of God. They're interesting. They're precious to him. They reflect him. And we get this opportunity to take the love that we've received. Have we received any love, church? Yes, we've received love. So we get to take that love and pour it out to others. That's what we get to do when we get to know people. There are people that you may love and love and love and love and love over so years and they may still never come to know Jesus has that been a waste of time no no because you've shown the love of Jesus you've shown the love of God and it's rich enriched your life and enriched their life and God is going to use that in some way mysterious way that we don't even know but that's not your business let me just remind you of something you're not the Holy Spirit I'm not the Holy Spirit you don't save anybody I don't save anybody only God does that. And so every person comes to Jesus in their own time and in their own way. And we can't rush that process and we can't force that process. What we're meant to do is to love. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we're just meant to be a witness, to be a friend, to be a blessing. And whether your neighbor ever comes to know Jesus or not, just love them. Just love them. And this is true of your family members too. We have family members that we've argued with and <laughs> wrestled with, right? Love them. Love your adult children who are walking away from the Lord. Love them. Love them. Bless them. So that's the first thing. It's a calling and it's a privilege for us to love others. 
And the second thing I want to remind us is that everyone is on a spiritual journey. And it's a long journey. <laughs> it's a lifetime journey. Um, I found this diagram helpful. This is from Craig Ellis, who is a writer and a speaker who works with Redeemer in New York City, who does a lot of work in the secular world, talking about the gospel with people who are not believers, who, who um, are not necessarily interested even. And what he's found is that every person is somewhere along this line. If you can read these little zero to 100, like in one second, right? And, you know, all of a sudden you were, you're confessing Jesus before you didn't even know who he was, right? That happens, of course. God can speed up this process all that he likes. But some people take 10 years to go from one dot to the next. Maybe more. My dad, it's interesting, I think about my dad. He started out kind of actively pursuing faith and then went backwards <laughs> and went all the way down to the pink for the, his whole life and it wasn't until he almost it was dying that he got back to the purple I mean you just cannot predict this stuff right we're all on this journey and so don't get discouraged if it seems like someone that you're loving and ministering to and even have talked about the gospel with they don't seem to be all the way at the other end they still may be at the beginning and you don't give a gospel tract and and try to tell someone to pray to receive Christ if they're way back at pink right? They're just, they're not there yet. We have, to, it helps us, this helps me to be a little sensitive to where people are and where, um, where they are in their journey with Christ. So we don't all get to pray the sinner's prayer with someone, but we do get to help people as they are moving along these dots. Can you be a Christian that maybe they've never met a Christian they could trust before? All the Christians they've met just were, were, you know, judgmental and forced them about, told them they were going to hell and all this kind of stuff. Maybe they've never met like a normal Christian. Maybe you could be that person. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts this in 1 Corinthians 3. What after is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you come to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the... We may be just a very, very small slice of the journey, but let's say, let's, let's, let's promise this church that we're a good slice. <laughs> that when they encounter us, they go, oh, that was, that's a cool Christian. That's a good, I'm really glad I knew that person. That we're a blessing. That's what this is all about. Be a blessing so that that slice that they saw from you would be a blessing. Would be a blessing. So having said all this, let's get back to eating, okay? This is the, the topic of the day is eating. Um, and it's really interesting if you notice how many stories about Jesus in the Bible have to do with food. I knew there was a reason I love Jesus. Just one more reason to love him. He just did so much around food. It's fascinating when you look at this list that I have up here for you. The first miracle was turning water into wine at a wedding. 
So he was invited to a wedding at Cana in Galilee. That's in John 2. Then, of course, Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. Every host or hostess knows what's that like, right? More people are there than you expected, and you're like, you know, you're thinning the soup to try to make it spread, make it go. And now, you know, here it is. He just fed 5,000 with just this little tiny bit. Then a little while later in Matthew 15, Jesus fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and two fishes, a few, a few fish. Then we see that Jesus had dinner at Matthew's house. Matthew was a tax collector that he had just called to follow him. And so then he went to his house and he had dinner with Matthew and all these tax collectors and sinners, all these people. Then he went to the home of a Pharisee, had dinner with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. That was when a sinful woman came and cried at his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And he, had a, he told them about, you know, one who's been, who has been forgiven much, just loves much. He gave a little lesson there. That was at a dinner at a Pharisee's house. And then a similar meal, but a completely different kind of group of people at the house of Simon the leper with his friends, Mary and Martha. He was there, and Mary breaks open a vial of perfume and, and pours it over him, and he says, she's anointing me for my burial. This was at a meal also. And then, of course, the night before Jesus was crucified, what did he do? He planned a meal. The Last Supper, we call it, was his last supper on earth as, uh, before his crucifixion. He planned this meal for them, and incredibly, he gave us a meal, right, to remember him by, the, the bread and the wine. It's food that we take every month when we take communion to remember the death, the life, and the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, so it's a meal. And then, of course, his resurrection, he gathered his disciples where? On the beach to have breakfast. Love a breakfast. Love a good breakfast. Although I think it was fish. I, I could do without fish for breakfast. But, you know, that's, that's all right. You know, he, he had a meal on the beach. This, all this ministry around food. So interesting, right? He ate with Pharisees, religious leaders. He ate with sinners and tax collectors, kind of the low. So he, he ate with the high. He ate with the low. He ate with men. He ate with women. He ate with his closest friends. And he also ate with people he literally had just met. He did a lot of eating. He also got criticized for the eating that he did. After his meeting with the, the, the tax collectors and the sinners, this is what was said about him in Matthew 9. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. He wasn't saying that the Pharisees weren't also sinners that needed him, but what he was saying is that no one is beneath me, no is beneath my sitting down and sharing a meal with them. I don't care what kind of person, what their background is, where they're from, what they think. I'm going to sit down and share a meal with them. That's what Jesus did. I love this about Jesus. You just get this impression that he just loved hanging out with people. He's like the guy you could invite out for like a beer and a pizza, and he'd be like super cool with that. He would just, he would just love to hang out. He, in fact, you could take him to one of those restaurants with like the paper, the paper um, you know, thing, and then they put all the barbecue on it, and you get your fingers in it, and, you, and it's all coming out. Like he would, he would be right there with that. But you could also take him to Printworks, and he could have a filet mignon and a little garlic mashed, and he, he could handle that too. Like he, he just loved being with people, sharing a meal with people in their homes, out in the world. He just loved his people. I don't know about you, but this is a ministry I can get behind. <laughs> I love eating. 
And I know you can get behind it too, because I know you all love to eat, because I've seen you. <laughs> so this is something we can do. Eating is a great equalizer. It's something everyone has to do. It's a great way to get to know people. Lisa kind of alluded to this um, before. Uh, a couple of just points about eating with people, especially people you don't know so, much, so well. It's a really great way to kind of break the ice with people. Um, people are happier when they're eating. Once you start eating food, people are generally happy. They, you know, get more relaxed as they're eating good food, especially if the food is good. If the food's not good, it gives you something all to complain about, right? And so that's good. Hopefully it's not at your house that they, the food's good, but then you can still like, make a joke and be like, well, next time we're eating out. You know, so, so it, it makes people more relaxed. They're happier when they're eating together. Eating also gives you something to do be very awkward to get together with someone that you don't know really at all and just like stare at each other and try to talk. But when you're eating, whether you're serving them food in your house or you're out at a restaurant, you're looking at the menu, it gives you a little something to do while you're getting to know people. And, um, you know, if there's a lull in the conversation, you can be like, yeah, this burger is really good. You know, like it, it just helps, helps the social situation to be over food. And a shared meal, as Lisa alluded, opens hearts. It opens hearts. It just somehow, once you've shared a meal with a person, it has broken down a barrier of sorts. Um, you know, it's one of the things Paul and I try, have tried to do. I know we haven't sat down with every single person yet, but we've tried to sit down with so many of you as we came here just to get to know people because it breaks down a barrier of whether we're sharing coffee or a meal or just, you know, one of our picnics or something. Just that eating together breaks down a barrier and suddenly you feel like you're friends, even though you may not really know each other, but, but you just feel more comfortable. Oh, yeah, we were out. Like, we went out. So today I'm just going to keep it very practical with the rest of this message. I'm just going to give you some very practical things about how to get together with your neighbors and, and how to share meals because that's what this is about. We want to be able to bless our neighbors. We want to be able to get to know them better. And one of the great ways to do it is to share meals, to share coffee, to share time, and just some very practical things that Paul and I have come across after, you know, many, many years of having people in our home going out with people for dinners and so on. And the first thing is really important, especially for any of you um, who are really into the gift of hospitality, is to keep it simple or you're never going to do it. We had so many people to our house for dinner, and they would always leave and say, we're going to have you over soon. Like, let's get something on the counter. We want to have you over. They want to, like, reciprocate, right? And let me just tell you something, almost none of them ever do. <laughs> at least this is in the Northeast. Maybe you all are better at that in the South, but, you know, in the Northeast, like, almost nobody ever did. And I don't think it's like they didn't like us, I, I think. Um, I, I think it's because it's just so overwhelming to think about having someone over. Does anybody relate to that? Like, you got to clean up the house. You got to clean up everything. All those piles that are all over your counter, like you got to go through the piles and get rid of them if the people are going to be coming to your house. All the dirt in the corners, the dust bunnies under the bed. Like we feel like we have to clean the whole house. I don't know why you have to clean the dust bunnies under the bed, honestly. Like no one's looking under your bed. But anyway, you know, we, we kind of go crazy with the cleaning. And then we got to plan a meal. we got to plan a menu. We've got to get it all together. We've got to go shopping. Like it's a lot. And so I understand we don't do it. So my word is keep it simple. Keep it so simple um, if you come to my house, I'm going to tell you right now, I've only deep cleaned just the rooms you're going to be in, okay? <laughs> actually, and actually, Paul's done most of the cleaning, not even me. You know, the living room, the kitchen. If you want to go wandering around in our bedroom, that's on you, okay? Like, whatever you find is your trouble. Um, I'm not signing up for how it's beautiful here. I'm trying to have people over for dinner. 
So just, you know, we just do the basics, what's absolutely necessary, grab the piles and just throw them in a closet and be done. You know, like that's, that's it. So that's one thing. I also try to keep the food simple. Um, for some of you, you don't like to cook. Uh, maybe you're not a good cook, you just don't have the time to cook. And so there's nothing wrong with inviting people over and just ordering in Chinese or Thai or something that you like, pizza or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. And I know for some of us, it's like, I could never do that. Like, if I'm having people in my home, I have to cook. And I was like that for a long time. I'm like, oh, I really have to cook. I, I've got to, you know. But, but when it comes down to, as the Lord has impressed on me, the question, who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to show that you are the best homemaker, that you can, you know, do this whole thing at work and then come home and, you know, make all this homemade food? Who are you trying to impress? And a lot of times it's pride, I know for me, that wants to show off my great china and my great meals that my grandma made and, like, all this stuff that we, we want to we we sort of be, you know, show what a Martha Stewart we are. Let's lay that down. Okay? We, you know what? Life's too busy for all that. <laughs> um, if, if that's your gift and you can do it, great. But you know what? Let's just invite people over. What the, the goal here is to get to know people. And if we make it so hard on ourselves to do it and have such a high bar, oh my gosh, I was over at Lisa's house and her spread is amazing, so I can't possibly have Lisa over if I don't give her. No, Lisa will not care. <laughs> like she'd be very happy if you just ordered a pizza and had her over. So, so let's just take that all down and let's remember what we're doing. Get to know our neighbors and love on them. And uh, I remember a few years ago, a lot of years ago now, um, having a, di you know, we were having some people over, and one of my little sons came over to me, he was, he was young at the time, and he says, are we having people over? I can tell because you're all angry. <laughs> and that was because I was like, don't touch anything, I just cleaned that, and you know, I was all stressed out. And that was a wake-up call, that was a wake-up call that I need to just chill it out, chill it out <laughs> back up, love my family, love my neighbors, and not worry about it being perfect. I love Proverbs. Sometimes they say it like it is. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Oh, that's a good word. That's a good word. So keeping it simple also might be that you just go somewhere else. Like many of you don't really enjoy having people in your home. Maybe your home's not set up well for, 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 for uh, entertaining. That's fine. Just meet someone out for dinner, meet someone out for coffee, a picnic, as, as Lisa said. Doesn't have to be expensive, just needs to be with people. So that's, that's the first thing, keep it simple. The second is to keep it frequent, so relationships develop. And this is where we also get messed up. We think, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have the big barbecue. I'm going to, you know, spend four weeks and plan this huge thing and have 50 people over to my house, and then I'm done for the year. And that's very nice if you want to do that for your neighborhood, but that doesn't get relationships started, right? It, well, it might start the relationships, so it doesn't get them going. You need kind of frequency um, uh, of getting together. Um, and so you obviously can't do that with everyone, but maybe it's time for us to ask the Lord, you know, who amongst my neighbors and friends and coworkers and people that I bump into, not necessarily within the church, although it's a nice question to ask of church people too, but also outside the church, who are you calling me to just invest in a little bit, spend some extra time with? Um, maybe there's someone that seems to like you. <laughs> Often that's a nice thing when they come talk to you a lot, then you know maybe they like you. So, so you try getting together with them and see, um, you know, what you can do to just get together with someone more frequently. And what I have to always tell people is um, don't be surprised if you're always the initiator. 
People get a little bothered by that. They're like, nobody ever asked me. I have to be the initiator. We don't live in a culture that initiates social gatherings. We just don't. And maybe it would be different if we were in other culture, but we're not. We're very individual. People have people over at all. It's usually family. Um, and so to have, like, People from your neighborhood or kind of strangers or whatever in your home is a little bit unusual. So it's okay. Okay if we're the initiator. Because when people come and they feel loved and they feel, they feel your presence and they have some food, like they're blessed. It's a gift of love. It's blessing. That's what we're meant to give. We're meant to bless. So, so um, don't be surprised about that. Um, many years ago, Paul and I really wanted to create this kind of uh, community in our in our neighborhood and with some of our friends, and we wanted it to be frequent. And so we started something that we named Soup Sundays, and this was to get us through the winter months in, the, in New York, which are cold. And so we decided for six, we set six Sundays in the winter months, so it's like kind of from January to May, or to March, uh, that we set. We set the dates, we put on a little card, and we told people, just come for, um, for soup and bread. That was it. Kept it simple. Just come for soup and bread from 6 to 8 on Sunday nights. You don't have to RSVP. Just come if you can. If you want to come to all six, come to all six. If you just want to come to one or two, come to one or two. And we, we decided we wanted it to be regular enough so we were getting to know people. That was the whole point, right, that it was regular um, enough. And so we sent these things out. Um, and I followed my rule. I kept it simple. I literally only made soup and bread. The, the temptation to set out hors d'oeuvres and desserts and all this fancy stuff. No, didn't do any of that. Just Soup, I made a lot of soup, but soup, cut up some bread. Um, we did put out chicken nuggets and one big plate of brownies for the kids, and that was it. But that, we kept it simple. I used paper plates and plastic bowls. I'm sorry about the environment, but I knew it needed to be easy, you know, that I would throw it all out and just be able to not have to do a whole bunch of dishes. So um, some of you may have heard this story if you were at Church Under the Bridge, but it's worth telling. I need to tell you the story of our first soup Sunday. So we set up this whole thing. We sent out the flyers. We, um, I made so much soup. You cannot even imagine. Three enormous vats of homemade soup, different ones, you know. Had them all ready to go, hot. We had this bread cut up. It was simple, but it was there. And the time came for the first, you know, for the thing to start, and no one came. And then 15 minutes later, one person came. And they're kind of, that's a little awkward. They're looking around like, I thought this was a thing, and, you know, it's not a thing. But anyway, so they're, they're, they come in, and we welcome them in, we get them some soup or whatever. Fifteen minutes later, one more couple comes. So now there's three people, and no one else came. <laughs> so we ate into that soup as much as we can, and we talked, and we had a great time with the three people. Um, and, you know, they left, and we had all this leftover soup, of course. And this time it was my, my middle school son, Middle school sons also tell, sons just tell it like it is, no matter what. So my middle school, a different son comes in, and he looks around, and he sees all the leftover soup, and he goes, how many people did you invite to this thing? And we said, mm, probably 30 or 40. And he goes, and, and three people came? And we're like, yeah. And then he thinks for a second, he goes, wow, people must really hate us. <laughs> I was like, dagger to the heart. I said, I don't think they hate us. They just don't know how much they really like us yet. They haven't figured out how much they're going to like us. But here's the thing. The next week, a few more people came. The next week, a couple more people came. Word got out. Suddenly, people were like, wait a minute, is there a soup Sunday this weekend? And they were there for it. Because people had never experienced anything like this that was frequent, it was simple and casual, and you had time 
just to get to know each other. It was, it was so out of the ordinary. And so we kept Soup Sundays going for seven years, every winter. Um, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, in the fall, people would start to say, when are Soup Sundays starting? Like, they couldn't wait. Then people were like, oh, can we get on the Soup Sunday invite? You know, so it got a little big after a while, but people started bringing desserts and everything. You know, it got a little bit fancier as the years went on. But it was just such a unique time for people's relationships to develop, and it was because, I believe, because it was frequent. It was regular. We saw each other regularly. It doesn't have to be that many people, but just that we saw each other regularly. And you know, it turns out that a few of those couples that we met in that, we got very close to. We would get together with outside of Soup Sundays. Many of them we saw go along that, that line of dots uh, and move toward as we were able to share our story. And they were walking with me at the time we were, you know, I was in seminary and going through all of that. So they were walking with us through that whole, whole story. So God used the time. So I'm just telling you that story, not so that you do that, but that you get creative about how you can see your neighbors and friends more often. How you can be interacting in a frequent, with a more of a frequency um, and so that you start to get to know each other. And so finally, that just brings us to the last kind of uh, practical point, which is keep it small, even though the Soup Sundays got big, but it was really once we got to know just a couple of couples more intimately that we were able to go deeper, to, to really talk about our story, to hear their story, um, to walk with them. It's easier if it's smaller. You can just, you know, have people, a couple people over. You can meet out. It's easier to schedule. So keep it small. And these small gatherings give us the opportunity to be good listeners, what we talked about last week, asking all those good questions, finding out why they think the way they do, what they do for a living, all of that. Jesus had some specific instructions to us about this, about who to invite, that we should think out of the box. And I want to read to you from Luke 14. Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, can I begin to bless and reach out to? So this is a fun application today. You get to basically go eat. I'm just telling you, eat. Um, this is actually not a bad application also for the body of Christ. How many people in this room have you sat and ate dinner with and, and gone out for coffee with? That, that's a wonderful way to build the relationships in the body of Christ. So I, honestly, we should be, you know, start there, but don't stop there. Find that, those people out in the world who God is kind of drawing you to and begin to ask them out for coffee or so on. And I know one of the things that will stand in people's minds is kind of bringing this to a close. Some of you will say, I love all this idea. This is a great idea, Beth. You're so right. I ne definitely need to do this. I'm just so busy right now, I can't. I'll do it later when my kids grow up or when my job's not so crazy or when we're done with all our vacations or something, right? We, we're so busy, and I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, it's very hard to make time to do something extra. And there's a very helpful little tip from this book, Bless, that I've that, um, been looking at. It's to look at your meal calendar for a minute. I'm going to have her put up this little picture. Every one of us eats at least two meals a day, most of us three, many of us three plus a coffee break. <laughs> um, and so that's seven days a week. So if you don't even count the coffees, that's, that's 21 meals that you're already eating. Now, maybe you don't take a long time with all of them, but many of them you sit down and you actually eat. And 
what we're saying is, a challenge is, can you take one of these meals, just one, and share it with somebody? Share it with someone new that you haven't shared it with before. You're already eating anyway. You already got to have lunch. You got to have breakfast. You got to have dinner. And I, I don't want to take you away from your families. Of course, most of your dinners should be with your family. If you have children and spouses and so on, we need to do that. But there's a lot of other meals and coffees on this, on this chart. Am I right? So I'm challenging you this morning to think about your week and what's a day, a time, a meal that you might be able to once a week just find someone that you're going to have coffee with, that you're going to have a meal with. And I'm going to help you with this. I have a couple of assistants I'm going to ask to get up. Um, every one of you is going to get a, it's only $5, but it's $5 Starbucks gift card. All right? And every one of you, yeah, you can certainly hand out to everyone. Um, this is not for you to just go get your own coffee, okay, <laughs> on the way to work, okay? This is for you to share with someone to invite someone to coffee. If you say, I'm not a coffee person, well, there's plenty of smoothies and, and tea and other stuff at Starbucks, so you can find something else to eat at Starbucks. But to take, take this card, say to someone, I've got a Starbucks card, you want to meet me? Let's go have coffee. And, um, you know, uh, you may find that um, you need to blame someone for this, so you can blame me. You could say, my crazy pastor gave us all Starbucks cards and I'm not allowed to use it on myself. So, um, you know, would you come with me? <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm fine with that. Pastors do weird stuff all the time. So I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But make sure you have one. Every one of you, not one per couple, each one of you gets one. All right, so we have plenty. Um, and take it and, and just think out of the box this week. Think, who could I invite? Who could I invite out for coffee? Who could I invite out just to spend some time together. Now raise your hand if you don't have one because I want to make sure every single person gets one. Raise your hand if you don't have one yet. Okay, this side still needs, I think Andy's coming to you. Oh, in the back. Don't forget the people in the back too in the, at the soundboard. They don't get off the hook. They all get them too. And I don't know if we've got any young adults in here. We've got any teens, but teens can do this too just with your friends. This is for them as well. Um, okay, make sure everyone gets. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up while we're getting the rest of our cards. I feel like God is leading us into some new places as a church. Do you, do you agree? I mean, he's, he's just kicking us a little bit out of our comfort zone. Do you feel that? <laughs> it's a little out of your comfort zone. I know some of you are like, oh, I don't want to take, take it and, and try it, okay? Try someone easy, someone that you already get along with a little bit, but somebody different, someone new um, that you haven't spent time with before. God is leading us because he said, love your neighbor as yourself. We can do this. We may need to rely on his strength. It may take some guts the first time you go up and ask someone to coffee, especially if you've never gone with them before. We're going to be singing, as you lead me, I will follow. God will lead you. Pray. Be praying as you leave. Who? 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 Who do you have on my heart? Who's on your heart speaking to right now? Let's pray together. Lord God, we just, um, thank you that you've called us to be a blessing. What an easy thing you've given us to do. Lord, to just love people um, and eat with them and listen and share. Lord, we just, sometimes we make it all too complicated. Lord, it's just, we just need to be a friend. But God, get us out of our own skin. Get us out of our own comfort zone. Get us out of our own over-busy schedule that we can't just stop. So give us a moment to stop, Lord. And I just pray even right now as we begin to sing and as we have a time of ministry, you're welcome to come up and be prayed for. Um, we'll have people at the prayer, um, this just the one prayer um, table up here. But I pray that as 
we have this song that you would begin, Lord, to speak to us, Lord, names. Put a face in our brain right now. Someone who we can love on, someone who we could take care of, someone who we could love and, and take to coffee, share a meal with them. Open our eyes, Lord. And we trust you, Lord, that you will lead us, you will guide us, you will give us the strength.